Hello, and welcome to the Untold Hour. I'm Andrew Bowser. Thank you for sticking with me through these weeks that we haven't had our beloved Jessica Chobot with us. Uh, You are solo with Bow Wow yet again. Fuck, that was horrible, but I'm keeping it in. Solo with Bow Wow is staying in, okay? If Jess were here, she'd make me do it again, but she's not here, so we get to stay with Solo with Bow Wow, even though I hate it just as much as the next person. Well, today on Solo with Bow Wow, uh, I'm really excited to be joined by uh, uh, another podcast host, Derek Hayes from the Monsters Among Us podcast. He is an encyclopedia of cryptid knowledge, and we are going to dive deep on some of his personal experiences with the supernatural and the paranormal. We're also going to listen to some calls from his podcast, Monsters Among Us. So it's incredibly riveting, exciting stuff, and I'm really excited for you to hear Derek Hayes from Monsters Among Us. Enjoy. Well, I'm very excited this week to be joined by Derek Hayes. He is a contributor to Paranormal Caught on Camera and the host of the Monsters Among Us podcast. Welcome to the Untold Hour, Derek. How are you? Good, good. I, I got to tell you, I'm super excited to be here. I've been a listener since before I started my podcast, so I'm uh, oh, awesome. fanboying out a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, so before we dive into the nitty gritty, some of the stories and the, the phone calls that you've collected over the years doing your podcast, I want to just know a little bit about you personally and the paranormal. So tell us how you got interested in in this world and the world of cryptids, etc. Sure, sure. Well, you know, it all started when I was probably nine or ten years old. I lived in southeast Ohio, uh, kind of in the sticks. We lived so far from anybody, it was it was crazy. And uh, we would kind of explore the woods around uh, our family farm and everything, and we'd kind of go way back in there. And one particular day, we were back in there, me, my brother, and a family friend, we were kind of messing around. We were sightseeing is what we called it, because we were so young, we didn't know what we were doing. And as we're sitting on a rock eating lunch, we hear kind of some brush pop up on the hill. And we look across and we see a black panther. And by you know all standards, it's just a large, huge black cat straight out of a zoo or straight out of India or something like that. So we kind of took off one way trying to cut it off so we could see it again. And it just disappeared. It was, it was gone. So after that, I, I got to looking, and my dad told me some stories about other people seeing stuff like that. So I, I, when school started again, I went back to the library and just dug into every book I can get my hands on. Discovered Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, aliens, ghosts, all that stuff, and you know the floodgates were open. Wow. So that's so. Did you have an interest in this stuff prior to that experience in the woods? Were you the the type of kid that uh, believed in monsters? And yeah, you know, I used to draw pictures in elementary school of the goblins that I thought inhabited the bathroom and stuff like that. Did you have a wild imagination or was it really that experience that kind of unlocked it for you? Uh, I definitely had a wild imagination growing up. Uh, I used to make horror films all the time. Uh, I bet I still have a VHS tape here somewhere where I just 
had my dad dressed up in a uh, Jason Voorhees mask, chasing us around, <laughs> and you know, filming that kind of thing. So we were always into horror, but not necessarily, you know, cryptozoology, the paranormal, the supernatural, that sort of thing. That sort of came after the experience for me. It was something I was interested in. It just wasn't as uh, much of an obsession, I guess, at that point. And then from then on, it became an obsession. Oh yeah, hundred percent. What's your, especially at that age, who was your guy, your cryptid? Like on Mark Maron, he always asks the comedians, who is your guy? Like, were you a Carlin guy? Were you a Kinnison guy? On the Untold Hour, we like to ask that question in Who's regard my, to cryptids. For me, my monster, my my monster was uh, the Goat Man. Goat Man, yeah. And specifically, Prince George's County, Maryland. I know there's Goat Man all over the place. The Jersey Devil's kind of a Goat Man. There's one in Texas, but for me, it was the Goat Man. Was there a cryptid that stood out that got your attention the most? Well, I, I grew up smack dab in the middle of the Sasquatch Triangle in Ohio, and if yeah. anyone's not familiar with that, it's uh, Salt Fork State Park is like the epicenter of this little swatch of land that is said to hold the Grassman, which is the Ohio's version of the Bigfoot. And right. I actually grew up uh, maybe twelve miles from from Salt Fork, so that's right, you know, where I was. So Bigfoot was definitely Sasquatch, Grassman, that kind of thing was definitely. One of my favorites growing up, and I found uh, several documentaries, the Peter Graves documentary, of, of course, In Search Of, that kind of thing. So they always focused on Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. So when I was younger, it was definitely him. And as I've you know gotten older and read more and, and discovered more, some of these obscure cryptids are now my favorite. So staying on Bigfoot for a minute, did then your... Your uh, sightseeing, is that what you called it? Sightseeing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did, did your sightseeing then uh, become Bigfoot hunts? Oh, 100. Well, it wasn't did Bigfoot your necessarily. Get on, we were trying to find the cat. That's what we were trying to do. We did expeditions. We went further back in there trying to find. We never did see it again. Didn't see tracks or anything like that. Wow. But my uncle had seen uh, something like that 20 years prior. And my brother, who was a a cop for a while, was on duty and saw something in the next town over that resembled the same thing probably 20 years after our sighting or even 30. So uh, there's stories in the area. I I don't know what this thing is, but there's stories in the area. And to make the wrinkle even worse, uh, we're only a few miles from Zanesville. If you remember the Zanesville massacre from, I want to say 2011, where uh, a guy kind of went off the deep end, let all of his animals loose. He had tigers, he had lions, bears, wolves, monkeys, and... uh, he just set him loose, and then he killed himself. And these animals uh, were yeah. just roaming the countryside. And I actually know people that had to shoot some of these animals. It was, it was oh, pretty sad. Oh, my goodness. Well, it sounds like, as a kid, finding this cat, it feels like the beginnings of a Stephen King short story. Like, it, it feels, does. you know, <laughs> then these kids go out to hunt this Black Panther. That's so awesome. Well, so what are some of the more obscure cryptids that you then became fascinated by? Well, uh, you know, the Flatwoods Monster is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I didn't grow up too far from West Virginia. I only grew up like an hour and a half from Point Pleasant. So uh, obviously Mothman was a was a big one. Uh, I ended up working for the company that created the Mothman movie with Richard Gere and Laura Lenny. So oh, that was awesome. kind of cool. Like it's just all this stuff really seems to like fall back into my life somehow. Like, I don't plan for any of this to happen. And it just kind of uh, the paranormal finds me, I guess. Mm hmm. What is it about Mothman? Because I love Mothman. I love the Flatwoods as well. Jess and I, maybe a year and a half ago, did some special episodes of our former podcast where we were out in the field and we went to the uh, Flatwoods Monster Museum and the Mothman Museum. And yeah, I grew up in Maryland. I think I was maybe three hours from, uh, from Point Pleasant. 
but I really love the lore surrounding the Mothman. What is it that that strikes you about the Mothman that's so intriguing? Well, I'll, I'll start with the terrain, the area that the, the the creature was first sighted. You know, West Virginia is a weird place. Yeah. I don't have to sit here and list all the, the cryptids from that state, but it's a super weird place. So that starts it off perfectly right there. The, the scene is set. And... As far as Mothman's concerned, there's so many other elements to it. Is it a ghost? Is it a cryptid? Is it a interdimensional being? Isn't it an right. alien? Uh, and then you have the Woody Derenberger experiences that kind of fall in line with that, the men in black that fall in line with the, with the Mothman encounters as well. Yeah. It's just all of that. It's just a ball of paranormal, really. And, totally. And Mothman's at the top saying, oh, this is my ball of paranormal. I, I yeah, Terrible analogy, but he, he's no. That's true. That's quickly great. becoming the king, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. I love I love it for that same reason that it becomes this like tapestry of of paranormal. It does uh, yeah. elements, and yeah, he's just kind of the uh, the the master of ceremonies or something. And, and, and that's what you the statue the... looks like too in Point Pleasant. Oh, yeah. It looks like he's the the greatest showman of cryptids. <laughs> it is exactly right. Or some sort of. <laughs> futuristic RoboCop version of yeah. of Mothman. Uh, uh-huh. You also have John Keel, who did a lot of work there, wrote several books on, on the area and the subject. So if you have a chance to read any of his works, that's actually what Mothman Prophecies was based on, his original book. So oh, awesome. uh, you, you, he starts tying all this stuff together. And, and like you said, he wove a tapestry mm-hmm. that to this day holds up. It holds water still. So yeah. it's super interesting. I don't know if all of this stuff is true, but man, is it fun to read about. And tell us a little bit about the Flatwoods Monster, because I don't know that we've covered it on the podcast. We did this field show, uh, and I thought one of the details I remember, well, I bought a Flatwoods hat, which is cool. But uh, one of the details I remember was that it, it was talked about in the newspaper at the time, yeah. if I remember correctly. And like the, the, the school kids were interviewed, and, and there were adult witnesses, I think, that this there was... entity had appeared over the over a hill or... Yeah, there was like one and a half adult adults there. It's like a seventeen-year-old uh, right. army reserve member or something like that. Uh, his name was Eugene Levin, uh, Lemon. I remember that part. Hmm. If my memory serves correct, I, I think this happened in 1952 in Flatwoods, West Virginia, which is um, uh, Green County, I believe. They call him the Green County Monster. No, they call him the Green Monster. You put me on the spot. I can't remember all these details, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the Green Monster is the Green in Monster, Fenway yeah. Park, right? Yeah, well, the, yeah. There's of course that that monster <laughs> yeah. as well. Uh, but essentially, what took place was there was a bunch of kids playing football in a, a schoolyard, and they saw what looked like a meteorite or something like that fall over the hill. So they went back and got their mother, and uh, they all trekked up this hill. And as they got to the top, there was this huge. Uh, I think it was like ten, twelve foot tall partially mechanical, partially Mm -hmm. biological creature that emitted steam, it hissed, it squirted oil. There was all kinds of things it was claimed to have done. And, of course, they all took off and ran. According to some legends, the dog that was with them actually died. Several of the people that witnessed it puked their lungs out. So we didn't really figure out what it was, but there was a few other uh, lesser-known sightings around that area around that same time. But uh, that's the big one. That's that's the the big sighting. Yeah, for anyone that has never seen how the Flatwoods monster is represented visually, from from my memory, it, it almost looks like the body of a Dalek from Doctor Who, and then the top half is like a squid man. It's this weird combo of yeah, cybernetic and flesh, yeah, which uh, yeah. which really 
intrigued me because that's different than a lot of of, of other cryptids that we hear about. Yeah, it almost it, felt it, like it was maybe an alien in like a a levitation pod of some kind moving around doing a lot of people think that it was a human in a levitation pod because the army showed up immediately after cordoned off the entire area of course like they always do and they hauled something out of there as they always do and no one knows what it was but the witnesses uh i can't remember the gentleman's name but as far as i know he's still living and the last interview I saw, he said that this thing was not uh, an animal. It wasn't a creature. This was some sort of mechanical thing. And hmm. uh, I've heard other people say that it may have been a mechanical biological mix. I always, I don't know how, how well you remember any of the Blob films, either the original or the uh It's the been remake. some time. <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't wa- – I don't know if I've ever seen the original, original Blob. Oh, I haven't, yeah. I've seen but, like the uh, 80s remake or late totally, 70s remake. Totally, Kevin yeah. Dillon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had seen that as a teenager, but I rewatched it this week because I was on a Chuck Russell – trip uh the the director who i'll get my horror fan card revoked if i get this wrong but i'm pretty sure he did (laughs) nightmare 3 which is uh my favorite but when i think of nightmare 3 i think of frank darabont but he wrote it i believe chuck russell was the director but i rewatched this blob the other day and uh it's man it slaps for lack of a better term i love it so much and one of the cool things is that the the uh the entity was born out of our government's mistake. You know, it falls to Earth. And what's fun is, spoiler alert for the blob from the 80s with Kevin <laughs> Dillon, if y'all haven't seen it, but it falls to Earth and it presents itself as a, a meteor that's cracked open and this alien life form starts to just devour this town and grow in size exponentially with every passing minute. And initially it presents itself like a meteor that's crashed to Earth uh, but as Kevin Dillon and Shawnee Smith get closer to the center of the mystery, they discover it was actually a U.S. satellite uh, that had been uh, housing a, a, a virus or a, um, a specimen of some kind that had mutated. And then when the satellite crashed, it it brought it. So immediately in the film, yeah, the government is there uh, taking care of business, trying to isolate it and kind of lie to the town about how dangerous it is. And it's funny because as I rewatched it, I thought about the Flatwoods monster. I was yeah. thinking about uh, about that experience shooting that in West Virginia. And I don't know what it is about West Virginia either, and not to disparage the beautiful state of West Virginia, but I used to go there as a kid because a friend of mine uh, had an aunt there with a, a really fun house for kids, like this farmhouse, and we'd go fishing and tiny town i mean one general store and just train tracks and that sounds um, about right yeah yeah and it was uh maybe it was just because of the age i was but it was a very kind of supernaturally rich place it felt like i always felt uh on edge being out exploring i always thought like we were going to find something or hear something whereas in my suburbs uh in maryland it didn't really feel like that but in west virginia I just felt like I was one step away from finding a monster or a body or something like that. It definitely <laughs> felt like heavy. And I'd always have nightmares in the aunt's farmhouse and want to leave. And she'd be like, well, it's three hours back to Maryland. And I'd be like, fuck. And there's a kid that's like, oh, my God, I might as well be in space. Yeah, it's you know? a month, right? Right. It's a month to get home. And I woke up terrified in the middle of the night. Uh, well, what's another one of the obscure cryptids that you're fascinated by? Because I feel like you probably know some that I've never even heard of. 
Oh man, um, you want me to find some obscure stuff? I, I can. I'm not necessarily huge fans of them, but these are some crazy ones. Uh, the Oct- uh, Oklahoma octopus. Have you heard of this? No. Okay, so there's three. I think three lakes, maybe four, uh, in Oklahoma somewhere. I, I'm not a huge expert on this, but. Uh, people keep drowning in these lakes, and the people that survive drowning claim that something with tentacles tries to pull them under, tries to drag them down. And, you know, there are several deaths uh, a year that are kind of unexplainable, or at least that's what I've read in the past, uh, attributed to this creature. So, of course, o- octopus can't live in fresh water. They can't live in Oklahoma by any means. So it's a super weird thing, but this has persisted for, for many years. Oh, I love the Oklahoma octopus. Let me think of another great one. Do you know the, back to Ohio, do you know the Loveland Frogman? I've I've heard of Frogman before. And we even, uh, in our old studio, uh, we read, I think, a listener story about Frogman and then got some fan art. So we had Frogman drawings up on our board for a while. But give me a refresher because all I remember is the, uh, the image that I remember seeing was almost like, a man in the middle of the road about to like leap over a guardrail and he looked like this kind of amphibian I think I know that human. exact image. Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of looked like Kermit the Frog a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, the frog, uh, the frog man, the Loveland frog man, however you want to phrase it, uh, I think the first sighting took place in the 1950s. And I, I'm going to get this confused. Again, I'm pulling all this out of my ass, but uh, I think. It was a police officer that saw it in the 70s after Hmm. it was reported the first time, and he actually shot and killed the thing. Oh, wow. And then things get kind of crazy from there. It goes a thousand different ways. You guys can research that yourself. But uh, basically, this is like a three to four foot tall humanoid-looking frog. The first description had it wearing like drawstring pants, and it was holding like a magic wand that spit sparks out of it. Oh, wow. So, it it was yeah, it was really crazy. I don't know that the the second sighting was as detailed. I don't think it mentioned the drawstring pants or the or the <laughs> baton or anything like that. But uh, it's Loveland's near Cincinnati. It's, I think it's like forty five minutes north of Cincinnati. So that's kind of the region that 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 is. A, another spooky, you know, Southern Indiana, Kentucky, another spooky region. I uh, I love that. It feels like no matter what area you go to there is a cryptid assigned to that area um just to talk about oklahoma for one minute longer i shot something there once that involved my character in this small film jumping off a bridge into this body of water that that i don't know what it emptied out into but it became a really huge body of water but it ran through this really small town in oklahoma called guthrie and I, every time I did that scene, I just had a panic in me that there was something under the water. Oh yeah! But uh, I didn't. I didn't even know about the Oklahoma octopus. If I had known about the Oklahoma <laughs> octopus, I would have been certain that's what I was afraid of. I was thinking, well, what if somebody dumped you know their car engine down here? Oh yeah. And I, yeah. I jump onto a or the chassis of a of an old truck. I did. We got down there, and I had my. My uh, one of my crew members look under the water before I jumped, but uh, and he didn't see an octopus or a truck chassis. Uh, so tell me, when did your interest in this stuff evolve into more professional pursuits like the podcast or working in the paranormal in uh, some capacity? Sure, yeah. I actually went to film school in Ohio, a little tiny uh, state school there, and uh, graduated, moved out to LA as everyone else does. 
And uh, I'd shot several horror films that were based, uh, one was Ghost, one was uh, like a Revenge of a Skeleton, and just kind of, they were all horror themed. One of them was like a mockumentary about a a made-up bed and breakfast. And I just (laughs) had this, my goal was to come out and, and... reimagined paranormal television that was one of my goals when i came out here and i was realized it was a tall order and i'm still working on that but uh you know i, I ended up working film production i worked as uh all different things from pa all the way up to uh, uh director of, of production so uh i'm trying to think of i'm losing my train of thought here Oh, it's all good. I know that uh, I can give you my comparable story to how we, Jess and I started our podcast, and maybe it'll trigger something oh, for you. Oh, yeah, okay. We were working together at a nerdy video company and started telling stories kind of similar to how we're talking about. Like, did you ever hear of the Goat Man? I don't know, did you ever hear of the... And uh, we realized that we were the only two in the office that were sharing these anecdotes or talking about how, man, as kids, I used to go out and look for this. And, oh, I saw some lights in the sky once uh, as a teenager. And in the office, we looked at each other and we were like, we got to start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people out here say that, but we did. And it was you know originally going to be called Spooky Shit. So was there a moment for you where you were like, okay, I have all these interests. I have all these experiences. Now I'm going to put it into something like a podcast. Yeah, I do. And and now my train of thought is back. I have perfect answer for you. Uh, I did art for a long time. Even mm-hmm. even as I worked production, I made vampire hunting kits, Fiji mermaids, uh, that kind of thing. I did it for many years. I really loved it. And I kind of got out of it because the podcast blew up. But as I was doing it, I listened to so many podcasts. That's where I found yours. Uh, there was probably 30 or 40, all cryptid or ghost or paranormal related. And every night as I did my art, I would, you know, listen to three, four hours of it. And as I would listen to people call in with their stories, there was a handful of shows that did that. I liked it. I really thought it was a great thing. But uh, it was just they let the the witnesses go on too long. They let let them ramble. They got off track. And it was just hard to listen to. It wasn't concise enough. And I kept thinking to myself, if I had that recording and can edit that audio down just enough to it's you know a smooth call which is what i do on the show now you know i take out the ums and the pauses and that kind of thing so mm-hmm. it just kind of flows better you know if i could do that then i would have the best show the best paranormal show out there because there's nothing better than personal stories mm-hmm. so i set up a telephone a hotline called every person i knew that told me a story at any point in my life had them call in so the first season's a lot of people i know a lot of family members that kind of thing and then it just kind of took off from there, and it's just kind of derailed my life. So now I'm a podcast <laughs> host, apparently. This was just something I was right. doing for fun to kind of prove a point, and, and here I am. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's how it should go, that you pursue something uh, out of a passion, and then it, it actually works for you yeah. professionally. Uh, before we get into, I want to I hear some of the stories. I know you've gotten many, but we're going to listen to some some of the calls from your show. Before we get into listening to those calls... I wanted to ask you, do you have any personal experiences in the supernatural, in the paranormal? Have you ever been a part of a ghost hunt where you captured an EVP? Or have you ever, other than that panther, have you ever seen anything unexplainable in your personal life? Actually, as far as ghosts are concerned, uh, I grew up in Appalachia, so of course I've seen a lot of ghosts. Yeah. Um, the, first, the first experience I can think of, I was probably 12, 13 years old in my my. Grandparents lived in Jacksonville, Florida, 
And uh, we went down to visit them, and every time I would walk past their guest room, I would see a Native American silhouetted against the window, just going to town, dancing, his arms up in the air, feather headdress, knees up in the air, like just going to town, dancing. And I probably saw this thing five or six times on this on this visit. And on our last night, I slept through this entire experience, but on our last night, apparently something was running on the roof of the house that sounded like a horse oh, wow. or something. Like the whole family woke up. They went outside trying to figure out what was going on. No one ever saw anything. But uh, that was one of my first experiences. Oh, my, wow. my brother actually bought a house. This was probably 2010 in my hometown of like 1,500 people. And... He was there like a week or two. He's like, hey, my house is haunted. I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. So I went and did kind of an investigation, just more like hang out and drink beer. But we <laughs> yeah. had we had a, a recorder going. We went down to his basement and we're sitting there talking and talking. And he had a couple dogs that were like all over the place making a mess. And we caught an EVP clear as day that said, dog. <laughs> like huh, whispered wow. the word dog. And of course, you know, this was... 2009 or something like that so we don't have the recording anymore but yeah. that was that was pretty impressive for me when I you know when I heard that yeah yeah I would imagine so were were ghosts as interesting to you as the cryptids oh yeah uh, what about aliens do you have an interest in the way our interests kind of split up on the untold hour Jess is definitely more into aliens and government conspiracies I'm more into the cryptids and horror films, monsters, but then we kind of share an interest in true crime. I'd probably say I'm more of the serial killer guy, uh, but she's definitely the alien lead. Uh, what are your interests? So how do you rank ghosts, alien, or do you see them all as one? They're all interdimensional beings. Uh, they're all interesting to me, like every yeah. bit of it. Doppelgangers, like every fringe subject is interesting to me. I'm not big into the comp- conspiracy theories. I think our government's messed up enough without these crazy theories. So, <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's, as far as my ranking goes, cryptids are number one. I, I am yeah. fascinated with cryptids. Uh, I really like ghosts, but specific ghosts, like ladies in white on the road, that kind of thing. Uh, ghosts yeah. involving water, I for some reason really like that. I've had a few submissions over the years of Native American ghosts that really like piqued my interest. Hmm. Uh, anything that's that's specific, it's not just the general like knocking on walls and you know footsteps and that kind of thing. If it's like gen, if it's uh, detailed or, or there's just like a little detail about it that rings in my ear that. Uh, kind of excites me, then those are the ones I draw to. Yeah. Well, tell us about the format of your podcast as we move into listening to some of these calls. For people that may not have listened to your show, uh, tell people how the show works and and maybe go ahead and set up the first call we're going to listen to, which I believe has to do with ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's perfect that this is the call, too. This is going to be a great little story. Uh, so basically what I do is I get calls constantly. I think I've gotten probably 10 today, uh, people just submitting different stories. And I have a huge backlog in my emails. And whenever I get free time, I sit down and kind of go through them. And uh, once I get a, a show kind of whittled down, I, I, I actually script out the entire show because, as you guys can hear, I'm terrible talking live. So I You sound uh, great. You've been great so far. <laughs> I just script everything out and uh, just kind of – Compare them to other stories, uh, other witnesses uh, mm-hmm. over the years, um, famous encounters. You know, if, if we're talking about a UFO experience, and I'll, I'll bring in Bar- Betty and Barney Hill, I said, well, this happened in 63, I want to say. And, you know, I'll compare cases, essentially. And it, 
I, people hate this, some people love it, but I try to not necessarily debunk, but explain the unexplainable when I can. You know, yeah. if somebody's if somebody sends in a call or uh, what's what's a good example here? If somebody sends in an audio recording of a creature they heard in the woods, which happens to me a lot, uh, they're always creepy. I don't disagree with that at all. They're, they're terrifying sounds, but I know what a lot of them are. They're coyotes, they're foxes, they're elk, sure. or something like that. So if we know what they are, I'm gonna call it out. I'm gonna say, hey, this is this is explainable. And in my mind, that makes the ones I can't explain 10 times scarier. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I think if people, uh, when I have conversations with my friends that are, are more skeptical, I think when they, when they talk to me and they understand I don't just buy everything, then I think it, it, there's more weight when I explain the things that I am yeah. convinced by or the things that I do uh, believe in. Without a doubt, I think if it just sounds like you're you're a propagator of just everything, then you're going to be less believed. Yeah. Without a doubt. Well, so this call that we're going to listen to must have oh, been one of your yeah. more convincing <laughs> stories. I, I have. Uh... I have a little story about this, too, and it kind of ties all this together. So usually when I listen to these calls, it's 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm down here in my spooky little studio that I built, and mm-hmm. uh, my wife has been asleep for eight hours or whatever, and mm-hmm. I'm just listening to call after call after call, and uh, usually they don't bother me. You know, usually there's no issues. Like, I walk – I have to go outside to get to the upstairs part of my house, so at night, it's 2 in the morning. I walk outside. I don't think anything of it. There's no Bigfoot out there going to get me or a ghost or anything like that. But I got this one call this one time by a gentleman named Jeff in Ohio. And as soon as I heard this call, I shut everything down and I went to bed. I, I just – it shook me up. It was something about yeah. this call that shook me up. So this is uh, – yeah, this is the first call that, that you want to share here. Okay, here we go. Hey, Derek. My name is Jeff. I'm from a suburb of Dayton, Ohio, and I just wanted to tell you a story that just happened two weeks ago. I was driving with my three-year-old son, and he's just in the back of the car singing and having a good time like he's usually doing. And we start passing a cemetery, and this cemetery doesn't have monuments and tombstones like you would think. They're little flowers and plaques in the grass. Basically, it just looks like a giant garden. So let me tell you that my three-year-old son has no idea what a cemetery is at all. He has no clue. He doesn't know what death is, really. But he was singing, and he just stops singing. And he points at the cemetery and says, Look at all those people! And I look over, and there's not a single person. It's a Sunday. There's no funerals. There's not a single person in the cemetery. I am driving, so there may have been a couple, but I didn't see any. And I say, What people, Miles? He says, all those people over there, there sure are a lot of grandmas. And at this point, I had chills run throughout my entire body. I had no idea what he was talking about. So I said, well, what are they doing? And he said, they're all standing there looking down at the grass. And at this point, I kind of just, I don't know, I hit the gas kind of just, you know, to get out of there. And we get home later on that day. And he's watching one of his favorite cartoons on Netflix. And he just turns to me and says, you know, they weren't alive. And 
I'm like, what? These little witches on this cartoon? What are you talking about? He says, no, those people we saw, they were all paused. So I'm, I'm not sure what to think of this. I don't know if my kid has the sixth sense or if he's just using, has a wide, wild imagination, but I just wanted to see if you had any input on this. I really love the show, and if you have any insight, I would appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. Wow. That is a great story. So you, when you hear something like that, then how did you discuss it on your show? Do you, did you get into why some people believe kids do have a sixth sense and can see things that adults can't see and kind of compare it to other stories that are similar? Or did you just talk about this story for a lot longer? Well, if I'm honest, it was so long ago, I can't tell you what I said after it. But yeah. I definitely talked about the fact that it creeped me out. And as far as I know, this is the only call I've received that did creep me out. It was just, there were so many details about this that were just so off-putting. Yeah. And and it, it kind of made you face death a little bit that I didn't I didn't like that either. Right. So, uh, well, a lot of times when I feel... Uh, uh, it, when I've heard stories that I don't necessarily believe, sometimes the language is a little too horror movie-ish. And, mm-hmm. and whereas in this, it really does sound like what a kid would say. It does, yeah. It doesn't. He didn't say, and my son looked over at me and said, I see all the dead people. And yeah. they're, you know, he said, there sure are a lot of grandmas. That sounds like something a little kid would say. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's so natural. The story is so mm-hmm. natural. and. And that's something that rang true to me. But yeah, you're right. Uh, people claim that kids have an ability to to see stuff that we can't. You know, they're on a different yeah. spectrum or whatever it is, vibration. But they're able to uh, you know see stuff that. And same thing with older people, pets, that kind of thing. There's just right. groups of people that seem to have better odds of of sussing this stuff out. Yeah, I know. I've often wondered if. I ever saw anything as a kid and it didn't register as a ghost because oh, it yeah. maybe appeared as normal. I mean, if this kid saw them, but it feels like he could tell there was something off. He said that they were paused. Was he talking yeah. about the people in the cemetery? Yeah. yeah. That's the impression I got that they were just holding perfectly still. That's what it sounded yeah. like to me. Right. Almost just kind of uh, like echoes of, uh, of themselves. Wow, that's awesome. That is a I can't imagine listening to that in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, by yourself in your office. Holy crap. Well, yeah. what's the uh the next call is uh, about your fave, Bigfoot. It's, this is a Bigfoot story out of Mississippi. You've probably heard a lot of Bigfoot stories. Uh, you know, I, you'd be surprised. I don't get a ton of Bigfoot stories. Really? You know, I, I have enough that I can play one or two an episode, but I thought I would get all Bigfoot. But it's, yeah. it's so many weird things. You'll you'll see as we get down the list, there's there's some weird ones down there. But this one came to me from Mississippi. Uh, a gentleman named Mac uh, had an encounter down there that this is one of the craziest Bigfoot encounters I've ever heard in my life. And I've heard hundreds, if not thousands of them. Let's listen to this Bigfoot call. <laughs> Brace yourselves. Hey, Derek. Uh, this is Mac from Mississippi. I was just listening to a podcast and... Heard that my story didn't come through. Uh, it's too staticky, so I figured I'd record it and I'd email it to you. Uh, that way the quality would be a little bit better than uh, trying to be on a recorded phone line. Like I said, uh, I was out deer hunting. Um, and I was in a climb of stand, and I climbed about 30 foot up, and I was sitting there. I lost my balance, and foot and got out from underneath me, and I fell. 
um, didn't have a safety harness on or anything like that. I, I sure should have, and, and I do from this point on. Um, but I fell, and uh, shoot, I mean, I was 30 foot up in a tree, so. I fell and hit the bottom uh, rung limbs. I was in a big oak tree. When I hit the bottom limbs, it was, it was probably 8 to 10 foot off the ground when I hit. And they kind of caught me. But uh, I, I later found out that I had broken my back and I couldn't move. But when I hit, I, I passed out. I blacked out. And I wore glasses and my glasses fell off. My gun went somewhere. Um, I later found it. But at the time, I, it just fell. Didn't have it with me. Wasn't tied or anything. It just fell. So I get awoken off the tree with agonizing pain. And I'm being, like I said, I'm 8 to 10 foot off the ground laying on these trees. And I'm 5'10", 320, 325. I mean, I'm not a little guy. But I was being lifted off these limbs um, and supported underneath my neck and, and on my rear end by just these gigantic hands. And my glasses fell off. And without those, man, I am blind. I mean, I'm literally, I can't see a piece of paper three foot from me. I mean, I'm, I can't see unless it's right up on me. So my glasses fell off. And <sighs> what happened next is is still troubling. I was lowered to the ground by this creature. I guess you're going to call it a big, you know, Bigfoot Sasquatch, whatever, whatever, whatever your deal on that is. And it was a female, and I say it was a female because the first thing it had a, it had a more, it had a feminine looking face. Um, it, if that makes sense, it wasn't, I, I hear a lot of people on these podcasts talk about it look like a big silverback gorilla and all that. This, this, this wasn't, this wasn't that. It was ape-like, but like the cheekbones and the face was, was more slender than you would look. Like I'd say, if I looked at, you know, gorillas online or in the zoo pictures, the big old wide face and all that. It was, it was more of a contoured face. And she was also had breasts and the breasts were, um, she was lactating. And I'm sitting there in agony, man, and I'm scared to death. I don't know what is going on. And she takes her breast and puts it in my my mouth, and she tries to get me to drink milk from her breast. And she squeezes her breast, and a little bit of milk gets in my mouth, and it is disgusting. I'm talking about it is the nastiest thing I've ever tasted. But she, during this time, is being so nurturing. It reminded me, now looking back on it, looking at videos of Coco the gorilla with her kittens, how she would nudge them and love on them and, and try to get them close to her. And she could, you know, generally care that she, generally could tell that she cared. That's what this gorilla, she was, you know, she was, she was, she was worried about me. And, and, and I don't, I, it's really weird. While all that was going on, man, I am just, I'm panicking, um, but I can't, I can't move. I got taken to the hospital later after I was found, after I didn't come home, they, they came out looking for me and I had a broken back. But as she was doing that, back behind her, there was something much, much larger than she was. And it, 
We have wild boars here in the south, in Mississippi. I live in central Mississippi, right on the uh, Alabama line. And we have wild pig here that they're pretty big. You know, they, they can get 260, 300 pounds for a wild boar. You know, that, that can do a lot of damage. But what was behind her, I never saw the full vision of it because I couldn't see that far. But the sound that it made, it was like, <laughs> like it was communicating with her, but it was so deep and so guttural. And it's just like it went through my chest and went all into my body and it was pulsating. And man, when I heard that, I, I knew that I was either something was, something was coming to kill me. I was done for. But she turned around and she would kind of communicate, like do her little noise. And then it just got me. It got really aggressive and light. And then she kind of pushed me away, not really aggressively, but kind of like, okay, I'm through. And then she got up and she left. But man, I'm telling you, whatever that was behind her, I'm glad that it didn't come over there. Man, it, it just sounded like a beast. I mean, just a beast. And it just shook me to my core whenever it made that noise. I could feel it in my whole body. Like it was sitting on my chest. And like I said, I, if you left, and I, other, whatever was in the woods with her left too. I'm, I'm suspecting that was a male. And then my family coming found me. Because I hadn't come home and it was getting dark and, and things. All this was happening later. When I woke up, whenever I was lifted, it, it was probably around 5.30, 6. So it was kind of, it was almost dark then, but it was so low lit. And then about, I really don't know time. It was dark and my family came and, and found me. I'm really not sure what time that was. But I didn't come home and... uh you know, they knew where I was going hunting at. That's one thing. And all you hunters out there, if you hunt by yourself, if you got the iPhone app or any Android apps that's got any kind of find me, cut that on or let your family members know where you're going and go where you say you're going. You know, if I would have snuck off somewhere else, you know, I would have laid there probably no telling what would have happened. If that big thing wouldn't have got me, I mean, we got coyotes down here and bobcats and if I couldn't move and I was just laying there helplessly, man, ain't no telling what could happen. But and where you harness in a tree, man, that's so important. <laughs> Number one, I, I'm not getting back in the tree, but if I hit, if I do, then, you know, I'm going to have to, you know, you've got, you got to wear a harness if you're up there. But that's my story. Appreciate it. Wow. Wild. <laughs> How about that? N- not where I thought it was no, going. No, not at all. Um, I have heard of uh, Bigfoot that appeared to be women, but I, I hadn't heard uh, that they're face looked much different i heard that well they may have the body that we'd recognize as a woman breasts and even like wider hips but the fact that he could recognize that it was female from its bone structure and its face and i've definitely never heard a bigfoot breastfeeding story no so that was (laughs) interesting what do you make of that when you hear when you hear that story and do you ever then get the person on the show to do a follow-up or do you just take the story as it comes and build your episode around that? It's usually as it comes. Every once in a while, they'll write back in with a follow-up or something like that, and I'll try to feature that. But uh, for the most part, it's it's one and done. We move on to the next mystery. But this one's really intriguing because uh, Mac actually sent the call in a couple months prior, and Mm -hmm. I guess because he's in Mississippi or something, it was so staticky I could hardly hear it. I could hear the story, but I couldn't air it. 
So I, I have a way of reaching out to people that submit, and I you know ask them to to resubmit. So I've heard this story two different times, and it's told almost identical both times. So that's right. a big you know it's a big clue to me that he may not be lying about this encounter. And also yeah. in the middle of the call, you can hear a howl. And I, I need to point out that that howl was enhanced. I, it, it was much quieter in the original call. And I kind of picked out the audio and, and cleaned it up because I don't know what that is either. And he stopped his story to, you know, tell the story, uh, to, to let us listen to that howl. So I thought that was right. at least interesting. Does it have anything to do with Bigfoot? I doubt, but I thought it was interesting. So I wanted to point out that that was enhanced. It wasn't, it sounds fake, but it's not. No, no, you're good to point it out because I, I, I could tell that it would have been enhanced just because the kind of ambient sound jumped as well. But yeah. I want people that are listening to know that that's a, that's so interesting. And if you know what I find intriguing about a lot of these stories, not just the ones that we're listening to now, but the interviews that I've done over the years, is that how do I explain this? It, I guess if, if if someone were to make up a story. I, I wouldn't imagine it would have as much nuance and maybe involve uh, things that are as odd. I would think that if someone were going to make up a story about Bigfoot, maybe the story would be them being some hero and having to chase it off and get big and say, like, but then I yelled at it, go away, Bigfoot, and the Bigfoot ran. But this, this like, really, uh, again detailed account of it cradling him and him thinking of Coco and that's just so interesting. It took so many turns that you don't expect as well. You know, yeah. The second one shows up and, and right. on top of that he's describing an injury that you'd think you'd be able to look this up. Like I'd go to Mississippi and figure out what town he's from or what area he's yeah. from. Find out if some hunter broke his back. I'm sure it's in the newspaper somewhere. Uh, right. Obviously, I don't have time to do that for every story. I, I wish I did or had a team that could do stuff like that, but uh, maybe maybe a future incarnation of, of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think that other, I imagine that other Bigfoot that showed up was the mate or was, a, I mean, if the, the female was big and he says this thing was a lot bigger, that's terrifying. Yeah. That's absolutely terrifying. Well, you hear reports from people that say that male Sasquatch is 10 to 12 feet tall, which in my mm-hmm. mind sounds unbelievable. I mean, you can't hide something like that, but that's yeah. what reports say. And, you know, we hear so many of them. A lot of them are very consistent, too. So I can't sit here and say I believe in Bigfoot, but when I hear stories like Max, I think to myself, what else could this be? He's either lying or he saw Bigfoot. There's only two options here. And in my right. experience, I've listened to thousands of calls. I don't think he's lying to me. So he thinks he saw Sasquatch at the very least. Yeah. Well, let's listen to a third call. And this covers a phenomenon that I had never heard of, the mirrored men. Can you tell us about the mirrored men? Had you heard of this before receiving this call? This is another crazy one. Uh, This call, full disclosure, this call is from a college buddy of mine. Uh, Like I said earlier, I, I had to get people to call in to, you know, get the ball rolling. And he told me in college a story about seeing some weird figures outside of his house and some missing time associated with it. So I thought this was going to be a one-off story. My, my buddy Matt sent in the call, and I shared it on the show. This is the first season. And within two, three weeks, I had like 20 other calls. or That's an exaggeration. Probably like seven or eight other calls explaining the exact same thing from all over the country. Interesting. Uh, places even as close. I live near Lake Arrowhead, and there was a sighting up here not that long ago. 
So I dug and dug and dug. I couldn't find any example of these things. And so I <laughs> kind of a, not a goal of mine, but a, a wish list or bucket list item was naming a cryptid. I was hoping mm-hmm. that one day I'd get to go out and explore and, and find one and, and name it or, or find some witnesses and name it. And uh, this was my golden opportunity. I couldn't find anybody that had heard of this. So I called it the Mirrored Men because the, the movements that they – there are three men that move in unison is the best way to describe it. And people that see it 100% of the time have missing time, sometimes an hour, sometimes eight hours. And uh, there's little – like the Max Bigfoot story, there's little nuances in, in not only this story but several other ones that – they all seem to have the same details, and it's just it's just super creepy. I think we should listen to it before I go any further. Uh, that way you can kind of get an idea of what these things are. Awesome. Well, let's listen to Matt's call regarding mirrored men. Hey, I uh, just want to tell you thanks first and foremost for letting me uh, tell the story here. Forgive me, a few of the details are a little bit fuzzy. It was about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. However, what I did see still sticks with me, and it still kind of freaks me out to this day. Like I said, this was about 20, maybe even 21 years ago. I was uh, wasn't even quite yet a teenager. We had just moved, my family had just moved from our old house to a brand new house. It was just built. But the development itself was still very incomplete. A lot of dirt lots, you know, basements already kind of dug out, construction stuff all over the place, and kind of like that. <laughs> Definitely a safe place for a young kid to go run around and be an idiot in. Anyway, this would have been uh, maybe after the first after our first full year in the house of uh, it must have been early summer, maybe even late spring. Um, I just remember it was warm out. I was dead asleep in my room, but like just suddenly I had like this urge. I felt like very compelled to wake up, not like in a, a jumpy sort of way, like something startled me, but just I was just very alert and uh, very awake. And this is a little bit after two a.m. and uh, I also felt compelled to go walk over to my one of my bedroom windows. So I walked over and I sort of crouched down so I could see, I don't know why I crouched down, but I crouched down so I could kind of see out the window a little bit better. There were some trees in our front yard. They're probably gone now, but um, <clears throat> there's some trees in our front yard that blocked my view a little bit, but you could still kind of see all the way down to the corner down the street. Probably can't now. There's obviously, like I said, this was a, a new development at the time. There weren't many houses then, but uh, now your view would probably probably be blocked from the same window. So anyway, as I'm peering down, looking at this corner, I see three figures walking away from uh, away from my house. They're maybe two to three hundred feet away, somewhere in that range, and kind of moving. Uh, like I said, moving away from the house. So I'm watching them for a long moment, and I don't know why. Like I, I just like I said, I just woke up and felt compelled to kind of go over the window and take a peek out. And as I'm watching these figures. I notice that I just can't glean any detail. I mean, there's even a street light kind of down the street away, but it's just like it's not enough light for me to make out exactly what or who or what was walking down the street. But I could just, I could see the more or less the dark outlines of like people. But it was really strange. As I was watching them, I noticed that they were all moving in unison, like almost like perfectly synced together. They're sort of in like a, not quite a straight line, almost like an angled line walking down the, uh, well, what would become the sidewalk, but uh, it was just kind of like a dirt path at the time. And they were also very, very slow. Even though they were moving kind of constantly, it didn't seem like any of their movements were in any kind of hurry. They just sort of almost like glided down the street. So I'm watching them for a very long moment, and all three of them stop. And I don't know how to explain it. it. Even though I couldn't really make out any detail, I could tell 
that they all sort of turned their heads to look at me. There's nothing else on the street. There's no cars, no other people walking around. Like I said, it was new development. There wasn't much really out by where we lived at that point in time. All three of them at the same time, though, like I said, they moved in unison. They craned their heads, at least as far as I could tell, to look at me. And I, I don't know if you can make eye contact with something that doesn't you can't really see a face on, but I feel like we made eye contact for a moment. And whatever I was looking at, they knew that I was watching them, and they were watching me there for that, for that long, long moment. All three of them, all three of the figures turned around, uh, craned their necks around to look at me. And like I said, they all moved in unison so I could kind of see the uh, the movements happening at the same time. We had that weird moment where I knew they were watching me and they knew I was watching them. And it was just kind of a weird, kind of tense moment. I didn't know what to do. I just kind of sat there and just kept staring. And then uh, everything just kind of went blank, like not in like a pass out kind of way. I just felt like a very long blink. And when I opened my eyes again, I was uh, still in the same position, kind of kneeling down, looking at the window. My face was like pressed up against the glass of the window. And then instead of 2 a.m., it was just about 9 a.m., maybe just a little bit before 9 a.m. I had blinked and misplaced about seven hours worth of time. It was in daylight, obviously. There was weird figures at the end of the street by the corner. Still really freaks me out, actually. You know, 20 years later, like I said, some of the details are maybe a little bit off. So, you know, I don't know how far away they were or you know, what time of year it was necessarily, but I, I still remember that moment when they turned around and looked at me, knowing that I was watching them. Still kind of runs chills up my spine. Anyway, thanks for letting me tell the story. Hopefully, I don't experience anything like that ever again. Wow, that is chilling. It is, yeah. It, it I Like I said, I thought this was a one-off. I, I didn't think anyone would even pay attention to this call, let alone have dozens of other people call in over the years. There's been enough submissions that I had a special episode a couple seasons ago, uh, season wow. 7, episode 15. I think it's an hour and a half, and it's all mirrored men sightings. So I, I don't know what these things are. It's it's super intriguing. I, I found other, other uh, examples of them. Ghost Adventures actually caught video of... Three figures working, uh, walking in unison, huh. and uh, Strange Familiars podcast also has featured a few stories about these creatures. And I've seen some—I uh, call them creatures. I don't know what they are, people. <laughs> uh, but I've seen some other uh, examples of them as well. They just didn't have names, and I kind of funneled all this stuff together and kind of grouped this in. And we're trying to figure out what's what's going on with them. But there's just yeah so much mystery here. It's it's really hard to crack. Are the other stories you've heard somewhat similar, kind of yeah. like a middle of the night? I like uh, I felt. Uh, I mean, it kind of feels like shadow persony, but not. I guess there's not like paralysis involved, or is everybody pretty cognizant and waking when they've seen these things? Well, it's they're almost like men in black. If if I were yeah. to uh, if I were to pin something onto them. Uh, as far as the sightings are concerned, they, they all seem to have the same elements. Uh, weather is a big one. Usually it's snowing or raining. Not always, but hmm. usually. Uh, a rural location. Try that again. A rural location. Uh, I happen to know where Matt lived, and at the time, it's not anymore, but that was a bit of a rural location in the Cleveland area. Uh, missing time, obviously. Like I said, anywhere from an hour to 10, 8, 9 hours, something like that. And their yeah. faces, people that get close-up looks at them, uh, claim that they have uh, really like frog-like mouths and like sunken hmm. eyes, and some people have reco- reported that when they move, they're they're, I guess they lag a bit, like they're interdimensional or or not on our plane or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, 
Um, and, and the biggest thing is the eye contact. As soon as you make eye contact with these things, that's when things go down. That's when trouble starts. You know, missing that's time, when that, that kind of, of thing. blackout period yeah. happens. Yeah. yeah. Have you watched the <laughs> the Netflix show Dark? No, I haven't. By any chance? It's so interesting, and uh, I won't give any spoilers. I will speak vaguely, but there are characters later in, I think, season two, or maybe they don't appear until season three, that are, in essence, these men. Really? Um, yeah. It, 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 oh, that's intriguing. I don't... Yeah, yeah. I don't know that uh, that they would have based it on any of, of these sightings, but... Uh, there are three men. It's probably important. I not share too many details because uh, it does involve plot spoilers. But there are three men, and they move in unison. Uh, on the show, there's a reason they move in unison. That's explained. But they also do have a, a, a facial deformity around their mouth. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, and and they are kind of uh, overseers. They are kind of um, observers and manipulators of of events. I'm having to be vague without giving yeah, away yeah. too much because the show is really all about like revelation after revelation as to what the show is. But uh, but watch it if you're in the mood for something dark. It is yeah. not just the title of the show. It, it also speaks to the subject matter. <laughs> it's a very bleak, dark show, but it's a really wonderful show. Yeah, I'll check that um, out for sure. If they have Mirrored Man yeah. or any, anything that even resembles Mirrored Man, I'm going to check that out because... Anytime and I can was, get my hands on more information, I'm always trying to, to trying to do totally. that. Totally. Well, I just remember watching the show being struck by the concept because I thought, I don't know if I've seen that before. It was a really interesting concept just creatively. How old is that um, show by chance? Uh, it's know, I it's newer. I think season three, it's a German show. I don't know if I said that. But uh, I think season three just aired last month in America. I think it aired like a few months ago in Germany. Okay. And I, and it's the third season is the final season, so I think it's only that many years old. It's three Well, that makes me old. that makes me feel better. I was a bit concerned that people were seeing these characters and thought, "Oh, I'll just call them into the show." But uh right. yeah, no, these reports are 5 think... 6 years old at this point. Yeah. No, and they aren't um uh, they aren't presented in the in the way that that these stories seem to have presented them. Their behavior is similar, but the context, I would say, is not. Yeah, and it's also not a show about. um, I guess uh, (laughs) it's so hard to talk about the show (laughs) without giving it anyway. It's not a show that you know. It's it's not the X Files. It's not about unexplained phenomena in that sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, those calls were absolutely riveting. Um, Tell us before we wrap things up with you. What do you have coming up? What's what's the future hold? Uh, I know you said you were working on a documentary prior to this yeah. current pandemic that we're in. What other projects, including that one, do you have cooking? Well, uh, me and good friend and host, uh, host of uh, Blurry Photos podcast, we kickstarted a pro. Uh, man, let me try to spit this out. We kickstarted a movie uh, last fall, I guess it was, and we got funded. We got our budget. And we want to make a documentary about the strange goings-on at Anza Borrego State Park and a little piece of land we've called the Borrego Triangle. Now, this place is its the largest state park in California. It's out in the desert, uh, out near Salton Sea, San Diego County, that kind of area. And uh, they have reports of like a skinny, scrawny, blonde Sasquatch that lives out there. 
Oh, I never uh, thought of a skinny squatch. Yeah, well, it's a desert squatch, so he's gonna he has lighter yeah. fur, so he doesn't get hot. It makes perfect sense. Totally. <laughs> I don't know if totally. he exists, but it makes sense. They call him Zoobies. Yeah. They call him uh, the Brigo Sandman. What's uh, the one in Joshua? The Yucca Man out in Joshua Tree. Yeah. And there's tons of UFO sightings out there as well. Uh, multiple, you, you know, UFO sightings of all different kinds. There's been aliens sighted. Uh, there's petroglyphs going back hundreds and thousands of years that seem to depict really strange things like UFOs in the sky and that kind of thing. Uh, big, large figures. They aren't necessarily hairy, but they're large, larger yeah. than the people around them. So enough that it brings up questions. We want to kind of get out there and, and kind of answer some of these and shed shed some light on this because t- up to this point, I don't think anyone, anyone's even written a book about it. So, Well, yeah, I hadn't heard of that. What's the name of the park again? Anza, Anza Borrego State Park. Anza Borrego, yeah. okay. A N Z A Borrego. Borrego means sheep in Spanish, by the way. I don't. They have bighorn wow. sheep out there, so I assume that's why they name it that. Yeah. So that. So. So I guess as soon as you can. Yeah. As start soon as we can get out production there, yeah. on that. Well, the park's closed right now. The vis- visitor center's closed. A lot of the research that we need to do is closed. And my partner's in Chicago. So. Uh, yeah, we're right. just going to wait it out. We're going to you know, continue to research in the meantime, and it's just going to make a better film in the end. So uh, exactly. we'll take our time, and we'll get it right. Awesome. Well, Derek, thank you for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Where, and thank you for bringing those wonderful calls. I'm going to be thinking about those for a while. <laughs> Try to sleep um, tonight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell people how they can find you on social media, how they can listen to Monsters Among Us, etc. Sure, sure. Uh, basically, just search Monsters Among Us podcast wherever you uh, find your podcasts. On social media, I'm the same. Um, uh, Monsters Among Us, pretty much everywhere. We have a group and a Facebook page and obviously twitter reddit and instagram as well so if you need us you can find us awesome well again thank you so much for being thank here. you it's awesome. a real pleasure wow 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 i loved that conversation i love hearing people call in and share their monster stories it makes me feel like i'm I'm listening to the radio show in the fog with Adrian Barbeau. I'm up in a cozy lighthouse studio hearing people talk about the monsters they've seen. If you want to hear more monster chat, go to Derek Hayes' podcast, Monsters Among Us. Uh, he has wonderful stories like that every episode, and we're going to have him back. I have a feeling we just scratched the surface with Derek. He's got a lot of other stories to tell, and his knowledge runs deep. I want to remind our listeners to follow us on Twitter at Untold Hour Pod and Instagram at The Untold Hour. Until next time, this has been Andrew Bowser, and you've been listening to The Untold Hour. Bye! Star Bands Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.